When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have two things that we're going to talk about. Um, first, the big news, Taylor Korniak was called up to the U.S. women's national team. Uh, it's pretty pretty crazy, pretty cool, obviously well-deserved on top of that, but again, you see it happen, you're like, wow, that is, that's impressive. That's impressive, but we're gonna we're gonna dig in deeper on all that sort of stuff uh, in in just a minute. Also, though, Colorado Colorado landed a new commitment. Uh, it's an edge rusher. His name is Carson Mott. He's out of California. We're gonna talk about him in the second half of this podcast, and that is the plan for today. Back to Taylor, though. Um, like I said, this is really cool. Um, Taylor Corniak, I guess we should say. Um, first of all, friend of the podcast, it's crazy. It was back in 2019 that she and JJ Tompkins came on this podcast, 2019. It's been almost three years since that happened. Blows my mind at least. Um, you, you guys should go back and listen to that if, if you haven't. Um, I know there's a lot of you who probably have not been listening to the podcast that long, uh, but that was so much fun. That was probably the least on topic of any podcast that I've done in this feed, um, but also easily the most fun. Um, she was a fresh, she was the freshman of the year in the Pac-12 on the Colorado soccer team. Uh, she was a, a four-time all-Pac-12 performer. Um, she's the the leading, she has the most points in CU history. She has the most assists in CU history. Um, she's, she's, on easily on the Mount Rushmore of CU soccer players, and I think that she has a strong case to be number one. 
um, uh, just a, a straight up CU legend. And now she is, like I said, playing for the U.S. women's national team for the first time ever. Um, so I think that we, we might as well just dig even deeper into her past a little bit. Um, after she left CU, she was the number three overall pick in the NWSL draft. Uh, from from there, she was uh, actually loaned out by Orlando Pride to uh, to a, a team in in Germany, a team in the Bundesliga. So so all those leagues that you've probably paid more attention to on the men's side, they all have women's sides as well. So she was uh, she was loaned out to, to, to let me see what this place is called MSV Duisburg. I don't feel bad about not remembering that. Um, but again, that's Bundesliga, that's Germany. Uh, she spent a few months there, then went back to April, or sorry, to Orlando in April of 2021. Scored in her NWSL de- debut. Uh, she was drafted as a striker. She was kind of played as a striker initially. But, you know, they, they tried moving her back a little bit, playing her at midfield, and that's where she really stuck. And so she picked up just a little bit more steam there the end of the 2021 season. And then this off season, she was traded with um, she was traded to uh, San Diego, the San Diego Wave. It's an expansion team. Um, that's uh, it's it's hard to evaluate these trades because she was traded with another player, um, Taylor being kind of the, the the bigger name in the trade. Um, but they were traded for something like one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars in allocation money which is money that you're allowed to use to sign players, primarily international players, I guess, and a second-round pick. Um, but, you know, you you make those trades. The allocation money is worth quite a bit. Like for perspective, the max contract in the NWSL is $75,000. So it's basically a max contract plus another fifty grand. And, again, San Diego, they're looking for players to play right away. It's an expansion team, um, young talent they can build around. And, and so far this season, Taylor has torn up the NWSL. Um, I guess the numbers aren't aren't crazy. Um, you know, they're solid. Again, they're still pretty early in the season. She has two goals this season. She actually scored them both in the same game last week. They're playing Portland. And Portland's kind of been the powerhouse Um they have like Lindsay Horan is still there, I believe. Becky Sauerbrunn, I think Sophia Smith. You might remember she was at she was at Stanford um, and, and came and played obviously at Colorado a couple times. Those are some big games. Um, but the, but that's kind of been one of the big powerhouses, and I think they won the regular season again last year. So the the point is Taylor scored both of her goals in that game. They were both in the last I think eight minutes of the game. Uh, wound up being a two two draw, so they were very impactful. And I think there's only I want to say seven players in the league that have scored more than two goals um, this season so far. Um, so again, soccer, so you don't always put up really good numbers if you're good. Um, but she has kind of been the talk of the league. Um, I was going through like the U S women's national team subreddit earlier and everybody's really excited that Taylor's finally getting out there. Um, and, and at this point, I guess we might as well say what she's good at. So Taylor is six foot one. Um, she's now the tallest player ever to play for the women's national team, the U S team. Um, 
obviously she's good at headers and that's kind of the the outlandish trait that she has you know when you get to that point we were talking about the 23 best players in in america or from america they all have something that they are really really good at and while taylor's good at a bunch of different things obviously otherwise she wouldn't be there the the aerial game is where she stands out and right now the the u.s team is without sam mewis so sam mewis she i, I was looking at earlier she's the the telegraph like the newspaper in in england they put out their top 100 men's and women's soccer players every year. They put one out in December. They had her as number 20, which made her maybe the the third best women's soccer player from the United States. It is always crazy to look at those. Like we always think of like, oh, the women's players. They're, the U.S. has all the good ones. It's like that is not really true. Um, there's a lot of reasons that they've been successful, but just having the 10 best players in the world isn't one of them. It's not like basketball, even though it can kind of feel that way. Um but as a, I should say, as a Nikola Jokic fan, I can't be saying things like that. But um, yeah, so Sam Mewis, who's scored on a bunch of headers, she had like a hat trick where she scored off a couple headers. There, there have been some really notable games, and that is her strength, where she is clearly the best on the team. With her out of the picture, it makes sense that you'd be trying to to add somebody who can do that to the roster. You know, even even if Taylor isn't playing the full game as a starter, if you're down two one with five minutes left or even if you're in a tie game that you want to win you get a corner kick throw Taylor in there see if she can get her head on the ball because she's one of the best alive at doing that and so that's that's the thing that stands out about her and obviously I it's headers don't just come in the box when you're trying to score goals like you also have to think about like at midfield win that ball get whoever so there's there's all those things as well um but that is what stands out the other thing to me that stands out is her chemistry with Alex Morgan. So, for, again, you probably know who Alex Morgan is. She's one of the most decorated soccer players in the history of America. Um, close to more caps than anybody, close to more goals than anybody. I'm not sure where she is on those lists, but way up there at the top. And I'm actually, I'm going to Google how old she is because she's got to be at least 35. Um, only 32, that surprises me. Sorry, Alex. But, um, so Alex, first of all, is first in goals this season. She scored nine goals. Nobody else has more than six. Um, so obviously she's cooking. And when somebody's cooking and you're getting ready to go to a very, very important tournament in just a month, less than a month, you probably build around that player, especially when she's one of your superstars. So how do you build around Alex Morgan? Well, you bring the teammate who keeps setting her up for these goals. Um, and that's Taylor Corniak. They played together at the Pride. They both went over to San Diego this offseason. And there's a bunch of great highlights of Taylor distributing the ball to Alex and things going really well from there because that's what happens when you pass the ball to Alex Morgan. Um, so so there's that bit of chemistry as well. Um, with with the older players on the team, you know, Megan Rapino. Um, I guess some of the other, a lot of the others are done. You know, Carly Lloyd's out of there now. But, um, you know, with a Megan Rapino. You know, you might only play her for the last 15 minutes as kind of the, the, the sub, those sorts of situations. I don't think that's going to be how they treat Alex Morgan just because she's been playing so much um, in for her club team, for San Diego. Um, 
there is a chance though that they they give her a game where she comes on as a sub and she subs on with Taylor. I think I think that that pairing is something that you want to build off of. Um, and if Alex is playing beginning of games and, and Taylor again probably not going to start over Rose Lavelle and Lindsey Horan and Christy Mewis and all, all those guys. Like there's a lot of really good players on the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, so she's coming in late. You wonder how they're going to find a way to get them together. Maybe that's not even on their mind. Maybe Taylor really is just there to be the the sub who can give you give you a look on a set piece late. You know, um, but I do think that that pairing with Alex Morgan is probably a part of the reason she was chosen. Um, still, just crazy that she got chosen for that team. And when I say that, I don't mean like she doesn't deserve it. Um, because she does. She's been playing really well. But again, she's 20, I think she is 23 now. But, you know, this is a 23-woman roster. I think I've said 23-man a couple times. Um, but when I first saw, like, the tweet saying, yep, she's on the, tw- I saw 23 roster U.S. team. Like, I-, I just, in my head, put it together. She's on the U23 team, which would also be really cool. You know, she's been on, th- I think she was the captain of, like, the U18 team at one point. Um, but then I looked and I was like, wait. That's Rose Lavelle right next to her. Wait, that's Megan Rapino. That's and so then I realized like no, she's on the full U.S. Women's National Team, making her debut there. Um, and I guess I haven't said this yet, but but she's been called up for really two different things. So June twenty fifth, there's an exhibition game um, at Dick Sporting Good Park, actually, which is in Commerce City. So she's probably going to make her debut in Colorado, which is really cool. Um, so, so she'll be up for that game. It's an exhibition. And then they, they play again on the 28th in Salt Lake city, um, in another exhibition. Both of those are against Columbia. And, and then after that, starting July 4th and going for about two weeks, they have the CONCACAF W championship. They don't call it the women's championship. They rebranded. It's the W championship now. A little modern. I'm not so sure about it. It's whatever. But, um, that's a big one. So in that one, the the first of all, first place, the winner of the tournament is is going to the Olympics in Paris in 2024. There's other things that will decide who else goes. You know, it's not if you don't finish first, you don't get to go. Um, but this is kind of the big qualifier for that. Um, it's also the big qualifier for the Women's World Cup, which is next year. And the top two finishers out of the eight teams go to that. And then the runners up in each group. So there's two groups of four teams. Um, the the second or no, so, yeah, the second place teams in both those groups they get to go to like a, a play in um, with some teams from around the world that are also in a play in um, and figure out who gets to go. So this is a really big tournament. Um, and honestly, a little bit surprising that she's making her debut and and I guess the debut is technically the exhibition, but getting called up for this and not in a stretch of friendlies, you know, in February, just to see how things go or November, see how things go. Uh, she gets to play. And I guess you probably look at the, the world cup is the biggest tournament. The, the Olympics is the second biggest tournament. And then this would be the third biggest tournament in terms of women's international soccer, um, football as some people would call it. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, I guess the, the final piece that I want to get to is 
I dug into the the money. So there was the big dispute between U.S. soccer and the women's national team about payments and how they're paid compared to how the men are paid and all those sorts of things. I went through, just because this all went through a month or so ago, um, and looked at what the finances will be for Taylor because she is getting called up right now. And... It's it's quite a bit of money. Um, you know, obviously NWSL players are not getting paid big time. Like I said before, um, the the max salary in the NWSL is seventy five thousand um, dollars. The the average salary right now is fifty four thousand dollars, and there was actually like a sixty percent increase over last year. I think the minimum salary last year was like thirty thousand or something like that. Um, so not, I mean, I'll. I'll I, you're getting to the point where a lot of them don't have second jobs. Um, for the women's national team, though, um, in particular this upcoming stretch, so these exhibitions against Columbia, she gets $13,000 per, per game if they win, $10,000 per game if they tie, $8,000 if they lose. And again, that's per game. Um, and actually, so... The way it works is there's there's a separate tier if you're playing a top 25 team. So if you're playing a team that's in the, the top 25 in the country, or in the world, sorry, um, it's 18,000 for a win, 12,000, 8,000. Instead of 13, 10, 8, it's 18, 12, 8. Um, right now, Columbia is number 26. So that's like, if they win both games, that's just 10 grand out of her pocket versus if they had been number 25 instead. Um they also, I guess, get a portion of ticket sales, so $5 per ticket about um, goes to the team. Over the two games, that's probably worth about eight grand a person. Um, so you throw that on top, and that's a decent amount of money. You know, if you win both and you get that, that's thirty-four grand for those two games. Um, you also have the, the, the tournament, which obviously pays more. And in this tournament, they get 24000 per win, $14,000 per draw, 10000 per loss. There's three games in the group stage. If they go through to the final, there's there's two games in the knockout stage. Um, potentially, I mean, if five wins at twenty four grand a win gets you to one hundred and twenty one thousand dollars. That's a that's a, a a good amount of money. And I just realized I did the math wrong earlier in my tweet, which is a shame. I was wondering why that got ten likes. People probably think I'm an idiot. Um, but yeah, 24 times 5, if they go through and win every game in this tournament. On top of that, the the team splits 70% of the prize money, which I'm not sure what it is. I couldn't find it anywhere. It's probably not all that much. I saw that the prize money was like 500000 for the, the men's CONCACAF. They have like a team event. It's like some sort of Champions League type deal. Um, you'd guess it'd probably be less than that. Um, maybe 300000 split a month. It's still a decent amount of money. Um, and on top of that, there's other pieces. Like the the team gets 10% of the revenue from media rights and sponsorships from $55 million to $75 million. If they make more than $75 million, it goes to 15%. And then that's probably, I assume, going to get prorated across how many games you play because the r- rosters rotate, but there's more on top of it. Point is, minimum... As long as nothing crazy happens, as long as she plays these games, um, she's she's getting a fifty-four grand, which just happens to be the amount that um, the, the the average salary is in the NWSL. On top of that, it's easy to see. I mean, 
two wins at 13,000, that's 26. Um, plus the other eight for those, that's 34,000 for those first two, plus 121. That could be 155 grand if they just win all the way through. Um, which again, that's three years salary. So very valuable. And that's before you get to talk about, you know, the, the revenue sharing and all that sort of stuff that, that gets kind of tough to calculate. Um, point of all this is to say very happy for Taylor. Very, very happy for Taylor. And, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so we're going to have to tune into all those. I'm upset. I've got to go up to Montana for my cousin's wedding. It's actually horrible. Avs play here Friday night in the Stanley Cup. Um, I think that's game five. Um, this is the 24th. It's game five, and I have tickets. The 25th is the wedding, and uh, and this soccer game at Dick's Sporting Good Park, which I could... It, tickets are like 400 bucks to get in, but I, I could get a credential. Um, and then Sunday, obviously another Avs game. They'll be on the road, but Denver's going to be a party, so I've got to figure out what I'm doing for all that. My cousins get married in Montana, so I'm a little bit upset. Uh, real quick, Lightshade Dispensary is Colorado's premier dispensary. They've got 11 convenient Denver metro and rural locations. The Barnum location is now open. It's a block off of 6th and Federal. It's the biggest Lightshade store. It has specialty products that aren't offered at other locations. Um, they've got premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, all that stuff. And podcast listeners can get 25% off all non-sale items with the code DMVR. So make sure you get in there. Make sure you use the code DMVR. Also, we got to give a shout out to our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. It's uh, it's it's avalanche season, right? The Avs are in the playoffs, and uh, that means you should be drinking avalanche beers. I um, mean, also, there's one way in particular you should be drinking Breckenridge beers, and that's at the Stanley Cup Finals games. And here's how you can go, or somebody you know can go. Um, all you got to do is go to breckbrew.com. They make it really obvious where it is, but you can nominate a community star and send them to an Av Stanley Cup final game. Um, they, they're picking a couple for every game, every home game. Um, and, uh, they, they like get tickets for them and a friend. They get gear, um, and they get an avalanche amber ale once they get there. So make sure you get in on that. And remember that Breckenridge Brewery is also donating a portion of all proceeds of all sales of the avalanche ale through the playoffs to the community fund Boulder County to benefit Marshall fire victims. Uh, get to breckbrew.com, drink all these beers, drink, especially that avalanche, um, because you're helping people as well. And finally, DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, here's, here's what I'll say. I'm not a huge, uh, it's crazy to say, I'm not a huge, like, fan of playoff basketball at this point. And it's probably just because all these games have been so bad. Um, but I did realize, like, okay, it's a 2-2 series, and I, I feel like I have an obligation to be watching games like this. Um, so I decided I'd make a little parlay because today there was a parlay boost uh, and the way it worked actually is pretty cool. So you get the, the, the boost goes up if you have more legs. So if you have like a, a three leg parlay, it's 15% four leg, it's 20%. And it just kind of goes up and up uh, with the rule being each leg needs to be at least minus 300, um, which means, you know, if you were to make a $30 bet, it would, you, you would win $10 and the, you turn that 30 into 40. 
Um, if it was a straight bet, obviously in a parlay, the numbers get jumbled. So I decided to go through and pick a bunch of things that were like close to minus 300, but not quite there. Um, so I wound up with Derek White to get two assists, two rebounds for Derek White, a 10 points for Derek White. It was a big Derek White day. Then like Warriors to win the first half, Warriors plus three and a half in the game, over 200 and a half points. And that wound up with the boost going from plus 600 to plus 840. Um, so... Awesome stuff, extra value. And again, I was like, I need to watch this game. This is a way to do that. Um, so now I'm invested. Things are looking good, by the way. Need a little bit more from Derek White. I'll say that. Just still still do need a little bit more from Derek White. <sighs> I shot a three as I said that, and I thought he might score. Um, but this is your last chance, really, to get in on an awesome promotion. If you put $5 on any NBA bet, um, you will get $150 in free bets instantly, running out of time. There's at least one more game after this, maybe two, uh, but make sure you get in on this because it's a lot of fun. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR and make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals. You'll get $150 in free bets instantly. It's promo code DMVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Whew. We made it. Um, I did think of one more thing. So Zach Rubisam, the assistant coach, he tweeted out a picture earlier that is one of my favorite pictures that I have ever seen. Um, it says this, a CU Buffs men's basketball summer development program week two. Feel your body like a pro. Uh, Dana Bielinski, our team dietitian, is teaching our guys how to efficiently grocery shop. It's a picture of the entire basketball team in the grocery store, and there's a lot going on. Tristan's in there in sunglasses. Luke's in there in sunglasses. Jalen Gabadon, who has spent the last five years of his life at Yale, has his hand raised. It's a field trip to the grocery store, and Jalen Gabadon has a question, which I just, I love everything that's going on here. Um... Yeah, KJ with the big smile that you expect from him. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, and <laughs> I, I'm not going to dig in any deeper because you can't see the picture, but just the personalities are really shining through. Um, what I wouldn't give to be on that field trip to the grocery store here in the lessons that the 18 and 19-year-olds are getting. Um, but that's not what we're talking about now. What we're talking about is Carson Mott. Carson Mott is a football player uh, who is from California from, I think, a fairly... I actually don't know the size of the school. I should probably go and look. All that stuff just gets so confusing because they're like, oh, it's 6A, but it's this 6A, and that means this and whatever. But um, what we do know is that the high school is named after the town it's in, so it's Simi Valley High School. Usually, like, that that makes you think it's not a multiple high school town, but who knows? Point is, uh, he is now coming to Colorado. He's a three-star edge rusher. Um, he does have other Pac-12 offers. Uh, he was actually committed to Cal, but I, I think it might have been May 22nd he decommitted, and May 25th Colorado swooped in with an offer. Um, and obviously today, June 13th, he announced that he is committed to Colorado. Um, the 11th commitment in the class, that does count Nikhil Bitran because he, he, he hasn't technically decommitted. 
He dropped a top 10 list last week, but I guess in recruiting worlds, that does not mean he decommitted. Um, I don't understand. Maybe that means like there's the deal in place with the CU coaching staff to give him a scholarship is still there. Like I, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, but technically number 11 in the class, it bumps Colorado's 2023 recruiting class up to 17th in the country. Um, again, a lot of that is just because of the size of the class because there are so many commitments. Um, but I like being 17th better than being 47th. That's for sure. Even if it might not be for your favorite reasons, we'll see where they stack up at the end. Um, Mott though, he, he, he seems like he should be a four, three defensive end. Like when he's done again, it's tough to project these sorts of things. You don't know how much somebody's going to fill out or, or whether they're done growing or all those sorts of things. Just looking at him now and how he plays long term as a four, three defensive end seems like a good fit. He did play a little bit standing up on the edge, you know, without his hand in the dirt, um, which, you know, lends itself more to that three, four outside linebacker. I didn't like it quite as much, although again, he, he has done it. Um, it, it looks like he played last year at six foot two twenty five. Twenty four seven Sports has oh, I, sorry, I meant six foot five. That's an important part in there. Um, but that two twenty five goes to two forty on twenty four seven Sports. Um, is he actually six five two forty? I'd guess he's more like six five two thirty two thirty five. Um, but he does look like a, a big guy when you watch him play, and and so maybe that two forty is legit. Again, like if if he's trying to be an NFL guy. You want that to be 275. 285 would be really good. 260, you might be able to get by. Um, so that, there's kind of your range. Obviously needs to, to grow just a little bit. Um, and, and playing defensive end at the NFL level is different than the Power 5 level, although Power 5 is different than high school. So you, you'd like to see him probably get another 10 to 15 pounds on him. But with this scheme that the Buffs are running right now, there's a little bit more flexibility, mostly just because you look at Guy Thomas, who's still listed at 6'4", 235, and he's going to be playing that defensive end role. And, you know, if he's listed as smaller than uh, than Carson Mott, easy to, to say, like, yeah, you might be able to get by if you're a really good football player. Um, based on just watching him play, he he he's big and he is strong. Um and this, the the competition was not as good as he was, and it's one of those situations. You know, it's fun when you see a guy from St. Thomas Aquinas where you're like, oh, this guy's going up against somebody really, really good. Um, if he's able to beat him, he's really good. I don't think that was quite the case. Who knows? Maybe those were good schools he was playing, and he's just that level of player. Um, but just on every play, he was doing basically whatever he wanted. You know, if he's lining up on the edge and it's a run play, he's he's holding his ground. He's not getting pushed around. And if the ball's coming his way, he's going to toss the lineman. He's going to make the tackle. Um, and watching him play, you wonder why a team would ever run toward him because it just never worked. Every time he's just tossing the lineman out of the way, making the tackle. Um, occasionally they kind of flipped into more of a penetration-based system. Um, and, and he did look pretty quick off the line, at least quicker than the offensive line he was going up against. He could get through them pretty quickly, um, not just around the edge, but but between the, the guard and the tackle as well, the B-gap. Um, so you do see some of that. Um, as a pass rusher, again, it's the, it's the size and the strength that really stands out. It's the ability to just push that offensive tackle back, 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 
spin inside and quarterbacks right there waiting for you. Um, but you did see him get around the edge. There was there was more bend than I expected around the edge. One play in particular where he really dipped down with his shoulder and and got the edge. I can't remember if he got the sack, but um, the point was the dip. And and while he isn't super refined, um, mostly because he was able to just be bigger and stronger and, and probably faster as well. You know, he's running down quarterbacks back there at the same time. So it, don't think of him as just like this big brick. Um, while there were all those things going on, um, it was it was also some speed. Um, this is usually true of of players in his position that they're more of the you know beat them up at the line of scrimmage, big and strong, not that refined, but they're successful just because they're a better athlete than who they're going up against. Like, that's what happens with these defensive ends. Um, so the fact that he is not very polished, like, that's not a surprise at all. Um, I do think that he has pretty high upside. I should say uh, the 24-7 sports composite has him as a point. 8511 recruit, which makes him number seven of the 11 commitments. Um, but uh, Adrian Wilson is a point eight six one one, so point eight five one one is Mont, eight six one one is Adrian Wilson, and there's three guys in between them. So you're really seeing this middle class fill out um, for Colorado. You know, you have CJ Turner up the top, point eight eight oh eight on the 24-7 sports composite rankings, um, number 805 in the country. But when you look at, you know, Nikhil, 822. Adrian Wilson, 847, or 822nd in the country. Um, Adrian Wilson, 847th. Isaiah Harge, 873rd. Cam Beiser, 884th. Um, A.J. Newberry, 949. Actually, surprisingly big gap. Um but Carson Mott doesn't have that number in there quite yet. But you guess he's probably just just cracking that top thousand, maybe just outside that top thousand. Um, he's actually now that number eighty-two edge. He was number eighty-one edge when I wrote this story. I could swear. Yeah, it changed in the last hour or so. I wonder they must have just rated somebody. Um, but you're seeing this range where the buffs are filling things out. Um, you want four stars. If th if this is the bulk of your class, but you add a few four stars, you're in great shape. If you don't add the four stars, you're going to be lagging behind the Pac-12 in terms of recruiting. Um, still, good pickup. Um, you'd expect there to probably be more on the way over the course of the summer. Uh, there were there were a bunch of those. They got really hot in April, um, but I think this is the first maybe since April. Um, but there we go. Uh, I think that's it for Mott, and I think that we can leave it at that. Um, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast and we will talk then.